At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting you ready for college and pro football. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Second hour of the Pro Football Betting Guide. Missed out on any part of the first. Had a great conversation with Frank Schwab. You can check that up at vcin.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts up on the podcast feed for the best bets feed later today. Let's welcome in vcin contributor, most importantly, host of the New York City cast and handicapper extraordinaire, Will Hill. What's going on, buddy? How's the Sunday going? JVT, what's going on? It's the quiet before the storm. We got what trade deadline in a couple days. Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Mets Braves here Thursday, which is uh, big locally. So uh, the quiet of the summer is not going to last for much longer. Yeah, we opened up talking about the Hall of Fame game. What's your? You have any uh, go to some lean ons when it comes to preseason handicapping in the NFL? Yeah, I'm like everybody else. I'll probably just grab the under. I don't know if it's still 33 and a half, but the under has been a, a pretty good way to go. I just like grabbing the points. I mean, it's not too uh, not too complicated, but these games are just so random, and especially you know, those one and a half, two and a halfs are more valuable because it's like bowl games. When a team's down seven and they score the touchdown, nobody wants to play overtime. Nobody wants to play you know four quarters, much less five. So a lot of times teams go for the two and it, it lands on one or, uh, or whatever it is. So. Uh, you know, grabbing the point, especially when it's one and a half, something like that, I think is a good way to go a lot of times. You know, it's actually a great point, too. And I don't know, have you read the stories coming out of Jacksonville about their kicker situation? Because the other day, one of the guys that they had to bring in that was going to compete for their starting job in practice, like not even like during training camp drills, just like he was out there on his own, shanked three kicks so bad, Will. One of them hit somebody on the sidelines, like a former Cowboys coach. They cut him. Like he was so bad. He wasn't even hitting the goalpost, wasn't close. They they are in desperate need for a kicker. It's kind of your point. If they even get to the end zone or in field goal range, it is going to be a trip for Jacksonville every single trip down there. Yeah, I'm sure there, there's an Urban Meyer joke in there somewhere about right. the kicking, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good point, which I'm sure we'll get to the Jaguars here, but I actually kind of like them as a sleeper. They're plus 750, I think, to win the division, plus 450 to make the playoffs. We know this. It's not going to be all chalk. When you look at these eight divisions, it's easy to come on here and say, hey, all eight favorites are going to win. That's not going to happen. It's the NFL. It's a small sample size. There's going to be an upset. And uh, to me, the Jaguars, if Lawrence is 75, 80% as good as he's supposed to be, they'll get a huge bump in coaching to go from Urban Meyer, who, I mean, let's face it, he might be as bad as anybody who's ever coached in the NFL, yep. to go from Peterson, who not only won a Super Bowl, but made the playoffs three years in a row. Uh, I think that's a, a big bump, uh, certainly in terms of coaching. And I didn't love the money they gave Christian Kirk and Ingram, but those guys in the short term, at least for this year, will help. They get ATN back. Uh, they're not terrible on defense, not terrible on the offensive line. That's a pretty win- winnable division. I'm curious what you think of your Colts, but yeah, I'm not sold that Matt Ryan has a lot left. Uh, to me, the Titans are a prime regression candidate with their receiver room, their schedule. 
So if anyone can steal a division, even eight and nine, nine and eight, I think ten would absolutely win this division. Yep. To me, Jacksonville's pretty live here. Yeah, I think actually I, I'm on board of if you're saying Jacksonville's like second best team in the division, I think I'm kind of in on that. You mentioned one of the key things for me, the Titans. If you go back last year and some of the wins they were getting, it was absolutely oh. ridiculous what they were able to achieve last year. If you look at the way that they were winning some of those games and there was regression coming in a really big way for them. And with Jacksonville, I can totally buy into Peterson being a better coach. I just, for me, when it comes to the Colts, I was just talking about this actually right before you came on. I think we're sleeping on how good they could be defensively, especially up front. Like their secondary has some questions, but if you're talking about Quiddy Pay, who showed real flashes, graded up very well last year, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, all of a sudden becomes a cleanup artist as opposed to a main pass rushing threat. It's a team that was top 10 in defensive efficiency a season ago. And on the flip side, you get, yes, Matt Ryan, you can talk about if you don't know how much he has left. I think he was actually really underrated, what he, what he did last year for Atlanta, but he's in an offense that maximizes quarterbacks' will that I think that when you look at Indy, I think they're the rightful odds on favorite, and I think they will win that division, if that's fair. Yeah, I think if you just said, hey, forget the odds, you know, life on the line, yeah. you know, forget the numbers here, who wins the division, I'd still probably say Colts. It's a decent roster, probably a pretty good roster, a good coach. I still can't believe they didn't make it last year. I mean, think about it. <laughs> they needed so much to go wrong, as you know, to miss the playoffs. They're like nine-point favorites against the Raiders. They blew that game. 17-point oh games against 17-point favorites against Jacksonville. Not only lost that game, never really in it. Jacksonville just controlled it wire to wire. It was kind <laughs> of a blowout. It really was. Um, and to go back to your point about Indy, I agree with all that. Like you said, I'd worry a little bit about the secondary. Gilmore's a good player, but I think you could pick on the safeties a little mm -hmm. bit. There's definitely some issues there. I don't know how good their tackles are. Uh, Nelson's great. I mean, we all know how good Quentin Nelson is, but he, you know, he missed time last year. If he gets hurt, then what happens with the offensive line, especially with a you know quarterback who's not very mobile to begin with? And to me, the turnovers. And I should have mentioned this with Jacksonville. Jacksonville forced nine turnovers last year. I had Aaron Schatz on the podcast. He said. That was the worst turnover to drive rate defensively since 1993 in the league. I mean, nine wow. turnovers in 17 games. You figure that comes back towards the middle, at least by accident, they get up to, you know, 14, 15, something like that. The Colts forced 34 turnovers, the most yep. in the league. I'm sorry, 30. I think they were 33. Dallas was 34. They were right, right up there. And to me, that is something that, you know, just tends to go towards the middle. Remember all those Chicago Bear teams that were great at forcing turnovers one year. And then guess what? The second year. The next year, it doesn't always duplicate. It's hard to replicate that thing, and there's a lot of luck involved. So the turnovers would be a concern for me. Yeah, new defensive scheme, too, under Gus Bradley, who comes in as defensive coordinator for Indianapolis. Win total 10, uh, shaded to the under ever so slightly at minus 115. Those numbers, uh, courtesy of DraftKings. All right, let's go to the NFC North then really quickly. And so we're locking step here uh, when it comes to at least betting the division winner. I think that the Vikings come into this year, Will, as a very underrated team by the masses. I think O'Connell's going to do a lot of good things as head coach. I think Kirk Cousins, if you look at him statistically, I always say this. Like if you if you take off like the logo and I were to present you the statistical profile of the Minnesota Vikings, it would be a team that I think a lot of people would like quite a bit this year. But because it's the Vikings and then you put the name Kirk Cousins out there, they become, I think, an undervalued squad because not many people respect what they've been able to do. But I think they're a very live squad in that division. I agree with you, and you make a good point about Cousins. He's almost there's a little bit of like an NBA player quality to Cousins, where he can score 28 in a game, and you you know you watch the whole game and you come away you're like, did he really have 28? Did it feel like it? Sometimes you know, I don't want to call it empty calories, but there's definitely an element to that where third and long hole short throw short of the sticks, things like that. But I agree. I think they needed to get away from Zimmer. I think that was a bad marriage. It was a stale marriage. They have plenty of weapons here with Jefferson and Cook and Thielen. Now, look, I think they're going to be a good team. I think they have, they're very live to win the division, especially you look at the uh, Packers without Adams. 
To me, the Bears are going to be terrible. The Bears have a chance to be the worst team in the league. I took a stab at them 15-1 to 1 to have the worst record. They are awful. Yeah. Offensive line, secondary. They have no playmakers. Detroit, I could see being a little bit better. Uh, but to me, this division is more wide open than the market suggests. And if you look deeper at the Vikings schedule, nine home games, eight road games. They always play well at home. And if you look a little deeper, one of those road games, in quotes, is in London against the Saints. So it's really nine home games, seven road games, one neutral. So uh, that's a pretty good recipe for success. They do play the Jets. They play the Giants. Obviously, two with the Bears, two with the Lions. Uh, to me, this team could easily get to 10, maybe 11 wins. I think this is uh, a good bet here to you know play on the Vikings, whether it's yes to make the playoffs, over wins, yes to, to win the division. Uh, I do think the Vikings are a good bet. I feel like you know every year people kind of do this with the Vikings where, hey, they're, they're underrated. They have a chance. <laughs> They just seem to always fall short, whether it's coaching, missing kicks. They just seem to be snake bitten a lot of times. But uh, I am optimistic here. Vikings have a good season. Well, last year they were the first team in NFL history through the first eleven weeks to have a lead of seven or more points in the first eleven games, and still they went five and six. I mean, if it was if you told somebody to script it like that, you wouldn't believe it. It was just so ridiculous. Remember the Steelers game? They're up by thirty points. Next thing you know, the Steelers are throwing the ball in the it end zone. It was the day my son it. was born. The second one, I was sitting in the hospital watching that go down. I was like, "What is happening wow. here?" Yeah, I'll always remember. I was I was watching that at Foxwoods with Mitch Moss, and I was getting ready to leave in like the third quarter because that was when uh, the follow the money guys came up to Foxwoods. Yeah. I mean, that game was like thirty five nothing. People were joking. Hey, take take the Steelers on the money line. And people, other people were laughing. And then next thing you know, like I said, I think it ended an eight-point game, and the Steelers had the ball like first and goal from the five. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. The Arizona game where Arizona uh, or the Vikings missed the kick. Now, look, they, they stole one against Detroit, but uh, you make a good point. They led in every single one of these games. I know it's the NFL where every game is close, but uh, there was certainly more meat on the bone with this Vikings roster. Not that it's a perfect roster, because I think if you look at the secondary, there's issues. Harrison Smith is older. Peterson's older. He's seen better days. The offensive line's always an issue. But look, it's the NFL. Every team is flawed. To me, this is a good team. Did you have anything else from a division standpoint, like to win a division? Uh, I'm trying to think top of my head. Uh, division standpoint, I really like Denver. I know we talked about that when yep. you were hosting for Gil the other day. I just don't buy the idea that Wilson is shot. I think similar to uh, Rodgers and McCarthy, sometimes these coach-quarterback relationships just get stale. You need a new voice. You need a new – sometimes you just need a new uniform, new playbook. I think Wilson with Sutton, Judy, Hamler, uh, that's a good home field advantage. They've got some playmakers on defense. That's another team. They, you know, they get rid of what's his name, Vic Fangio, who is mm -hmm. painfully conservative on offense. Love nothing more than punting fourth and one from midfield. Get more of an aggressive, younger, offensive-minded coach. Uh, I think Wilson's going to have a big year. I think he was look. He was playing great 2020, halfway through the season. He was a minus money, you know, favorite to win MVP. They didn't play well at the end of that year. Got hurt last year. Clearly came back too soon. But I thought played well at the end of the season. To me, uh, the Broncos are a pretty good bet to win what is just an unbelievably loaded division. Yeah, I thought when I was looking at that division, I thought that these teams were a lot closer. And that includes the Raiders to one another than the market was giving them credit for. So instead of going like Kansas City, for example, you go further down the board. I, I think when you're talking about the odds for the Raiders even to win that division at plus 650, I think it's a little bit too high when you consider how good they could potentially be on offense. Offensive line still some question marks, but I think that gap, you're going to see like it's going to be a much better version of the AFC South where like 10, 11 wins yes. could win it, but it's just because they're going to beat the crap out of yes. each other in divisional play, you know? Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of 5-1 and one division records, 100%. Right. I think... 12 would absolutely win it. And I think there's, if you're making the favorite, like what number wins the division, 
probably 11 and six, somewhere between 11 and six and 12 and five. But yeah, it's going to be hard to just, you know, keep piling up the wins because like you said, they're probably going to split against each other. Yep. And Kansas City, by the way, uh, if you look at it from a win total standpoint, the hardest schedule by far in the National Football League, and that works against Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Will's going to stick around for a couple more. We're going to get some win total bets from Will. And also, we'll dive into offensive and defensive rookie of the year markets. Uh, He's got a couple. I'm going to throw mine. We were just going over the offensive rookie of the year uh, market, Will. I've got a 40-1 to guy uh, that I bet on that I really like a lot. I think that's got an opportunity to win offensive rookie of the year. So we'll discuss that. That's a tease right there. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you. The audience knows, but you don't. So we'll tell you who that is when we come back. It's the Football Betting Guide here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome back. This segment of the Football Betting Guide presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change, but I just wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one uh, right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline's a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor at the right time. I don't know what that was. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So an update um, really quickly. So we opened the show talking about this. For those who are just joining us uh, and missed the report from Justine Anderson, um, the rumblings are, and they're becoming louder, that tomorrow we will get a decision on Deshaun Watson in terms of a punishment, suspension, whatever it's going to be, uh, from Mike Florio over at Pro Football Talk. Also adding that after settlement efforts in the Deshaun Watson situation go nowhere, Judge Robinson tells the party's ruling likely coming uh, tomorrow, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. Something Judge Robinson took her time with a ruling in order to give the parties a chance to work out their own uh, solution to the situation. One source said a settlement was never close to happening, so we'll see if that is going to be the case tomorrow but it's getting louder that we might get some sort of resolution when it comes to Watson and his availability. We bring back William Hill, who, of course, is the host of the New York City cast. We'll get to uh, the other New York teams. I've talked to Will about my love. Love is strong. 
uh, my my win total bet on the New York Giants over. And uh, we haven't talked much about the Jets. But I went out teasing this, Will, so I'll get your thoughts on it. Offensive Rookie of the Year, can I get you in on Rashad White running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 40-1? to 1? I'm sold. You had me at 40-1. to 1. Hey, I, if you're ever going to get a season where you can get somebody at long odds, I mean, usually it's a quarterback award. Maybe not as much as people think. I mean, usually it's a quarterback award. It's not 100%. It's not like MVP. But without any quarterbacks that are guaranteed to start, who knows about Pickett? Maybe Corralsi sometimes. I, th- I think that's probably a stretch. Uh, sure, I think it's a good uh, good opportunity here to you know take a stab at someone. What's your uh, what's your case? Sell me on it. Well, Leonard Fournette is fat. That's one of them. Uh, <laughs> but Rashad White is also a pretty skilled guy. And uh, again, behind an offensive line whose interior is all of a sudden a question mark, and Tom Brady might find himself looking for outlets more often. And Tom Brady likes himself some guys who are a little bit more athletic out of the backfield. Uh, and a lot of reports are that they like what he's been bringing to the table so far. I think he's just going to have a lot of opportunity there. And Brady, I think, is going to, if he is successful, Brady's going to feed him the ball quite a bit. He's going to have an opportunity to rack up some numbers. And I even think, dare I say, I'll be the lead guy for them by the time the season comes to an end, you know? Yeah, you sold me. Let's uh, let's get it. Is that 40 to 1 still available? I like that. Uh, Circa had it at 40 to 1. I think DraftKings has it. At, no, excuse me, it's not Circa. But MGM had it at 40 to 1, and as did DraftKings. So I think, uh, yeah, that's still out there. Go find it. So Circa was down to 22 to 1. That was the other part about it. So. There has been some spots where they're a little bit shorter um, than the 40 to 1 that have been out there in some spots. So I went up and snatched it up with Rashad White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, let's go with not offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Sell me on your guy and what the odds are for when George Karloftis. Karloftis, it was 20 to 1. I still think it is the last I saw it. Uh, to me, it's just a situation where the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points, have a lot of leads, and he can pin his ears back and rush the passer and just rack up a bunch of sacks. I mean, they still have Frank Clark. Chris Jones, so it's not like Ian Keen and Office. I believe the last three years in a row, the rookie sack leader has won defensive rookie of the year. So I think it's a good situation being a lot of passing downs defensively and just kind of pin his ears back, get the quarterback, and get me home here 20 to 1. Down right. to 16 to 1. I'm moving numbers, JVT. Moving numbers. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So we go from defensive rookie of the year to another market for a player, uh, offensive player of the year. Is this Justin Jefferson that we're looking at here? Yeah, I was surprised. There's. 25 to 1 out there. I don't know if it's moved. I was seeing 20 to 1, 22 to 1. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. I, I Like I mentioned, I had Aaron Schatz on my uh, podcast this past week, decent.com slash podcast, shameless plug. And he said he's an MVP voter, and he's probably never going to vote for a non-quarterback uh, ever for MVP. The way he sees it, MVP is for the best quarterback. Offensive rookie of the year is for the best non-quarterback. So that leaves you to receivers, running backs, I mean, it's hard to see Taylor duplicating it. I'm sure he's in the mix for this award. He's the short shot here, 10 to 1 with a couple other guys. But Justin Jefferson, if you look at his over-under for receiving yards, I'm seeing 1,350. Cooper Cup is 1,300. How can you have a guy who has the most receiving yards for an over-under and have him be in the 20, 25 to 1 range? To me, that's just a mispriced market. Uh, We mentioned O'Connell with the new system, throwing Mm -hmm. the ball more. You have feelings, so you can't totally... Key in here on Jefferson. Uh, I just think it's a good number for a guy who's just an outstanding young player. Well, and here's the added wrinkle to it that I would I think works in your case. Uh, voters are simpletons, Will, and I don't think they're going to give Kirk Cousins the credit he deserves, right? So when you look at it from an offensive player of the year standpoint, the perception might be that Jefferson's just putting him on the back and carrying him around, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, to me, that's just a good number. Again, 
Cup is up there. Taylor's up there. But you can get Jefferson 20 to 1. I think that's a good price. All right. Win totals. Uh, I know that we were talking about the AFC North uh, to start with you. So let's go back to it. But with the win total, and you mentioned some of the, uh, I would say, red flags for the Tennessee Titans from a season ago. I think they have bounced back written all over them. And you agree, yeah? Yeah. I just think look at the receiver room. And we talked all last year about Tannehill. And hey, as long as he has Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, here are his weapons. Well, he doesn't have either of those guys anymore. Not that Julio Jones had a lot left, but. Derrick Henry's had a huge workload the past three, four years. You wonder if he's the same back. To me, there's huge questions at receiver. And just look at that schedule. Asking this team to get to 10 wins is a lot. They play at the Bills, at the Chiefs, at the Packers. They also play the Cowboys. They play the Bengals. They play the rest of the AFC West. Uh, Tannehill runs more than people think. What if he rolls an ankle and misses two or three games? To me, this is just asking a lot with their issues at receiver to go out and win 10 games against this schedule. Uh, I think under 90.5 is a very good bet. Did you have any other win total bets that you made? Yeah, I did play over the Vikings, you know, Mm -hmm. over the Jaguars. Um, You know, I think if you like these upstart teams to go over, like I know you mentioned you like the Giants, if you like the Jaguars, might as well tie it in and just put a little sprinkle on their coach for coach of the year, whether it's Peterson or Dayball or O'Connell. Usually that's the profile of guy that wins coach of the year. Usually it's not a guy who makes the playoffs two years in a row. I know Vrabel won it last year, making it two years in a row, but usually it's the team that just over-exceeds expectations. We see that in the NBA all the time. So, you know, if you like one of these upstart teams, I would uh, advise putting a little sprinkle here on Coach of the Year uh, as well as the season win total over. Yeah, for me, the key qualifier would be if you th- you have to think the team's going to win 10 or more games because yeah. since 1990, we haven't had a coach win it. I mean, there was Bruce Arians, as I always point out, but he was an interim coach who won nine games for an 11-win team. That was the, of course, Chuck Pagano year where he was gone uh, with cancer for a little bit of time. But if you're not a team, like I agree with the overachiever angle, but it's also got to be a team that's going to win 10 or more games because the precedent has been set for these voters. It's they got to be a double-digit win team because it hasn't happened since the year of my birth. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, boy, that Arians year, I forgot about that. I wonder how that was betting-wise. I'm sure they collected all the handle because Arians obviously wasn't listed at the beginning of the year. I'm sure they added them like midway through the season, but I'm sure that was a very good result for I mean, the books. Not that they need more money. Yeah, I was going to say, I would I would assume because that was what, 2012? 12? Yeah, yeah so I like, so. The, I mean, that would probably be a global market or even if that was hung up at that time. A lot of things have been added to the board, but uh, it has grown since then. But yeah, it was 2012. It was a while ago. He was nine, I think it was nine and three that year, if I remember correctly. Uh, as interim head coach. All right, how was that a decade ago? I mean, how fast right. is time going by? That's 10 years ago now since uh, what luck was a rookie, RG3 was a rookie. That's 10 years ago now. We are getting old. It's official. Getting old. Tell you what, that was my barista days. I was a Starbucks barista wow. that year. Uh, I was making coffee, and I was at the Red Rock Casino, and I would sneak off to be like, ah, I got to go get supplies into the sports book to sit there and watch the games because I had to work on Sundays because I was the only guy who knew football, so I'd run the registers and chat people up so we could get extra tips. Mar- yeah, and I think it's safe for you to confess that now. I think the statute of limitations is pretty much over. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a safe confession. That's a good story. I like that. Yeah, sorry, Jackie. I know that uh, that was the girl that worked <laughs> with me at the uh, at the Starbucks. Yes, I would have banded you to go watch football. Sometimes it happens. All right, last two minutes here. She's like, I knew it. She's yep. like, I knew it this whole time. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> hey, man, it's whatever. I lacked up the tips. It was absolutely fantastic. I was a charmer. I don't know if you know that. I was a charmer back in the day. Sure. Uh, all right, so we're going to go AFC North at the uh, bottom of the hour here. So I'll get your last thoughts. 90 seconds, regardless of the Sean Watson. Lots of deal. I am somewhat surprised the Ravens are the favorite to win this division. I know it's ever so slight, but I still think the Bengals are the best team. Your overview in the last 90 here of the AFC North. Yeah, really good division. It seems like Tomlin finds his way to eight, nine wins no matter what. He's almost better with an overachieving team. You give him a 12, 13 win team, he seems to play down to his level of competition. He's a rah-rah motivator, so 
you'd expect Tomlin, especially with Roethlisberger, who's completely washed, to find a way to still have a decent team, even though they have plenty of issues. Um, you know, toss-up division, I would still lean towards the Bengals just because of Burrow, all the offensive firepower. They've gotten the line better. I gave out the Ravens, but that was at plus 210. That number has certainly moved. To me, it's a total toss-up here between the Ravens and the Bengals. Slight lean to the Ravens. Will Hill, at not the Will Hill up on Twitter. Will, appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon, bud. All right, JVT, appreciate it. Thank you. New York City cast, of course, is the spot. Great listen. Make sure you check that out. And Will's all over the website, too, and all over the airways. So make sure you're tuning in. And make sure, I'm always going to promote it, College Football Betting Guide. It is out. Check it out. Uh, because we've got a lot of good information in there, a lot of great minds like Will's. Uh, we have a lot of good information, a lot of win total recommendations, college football title recommendations as well. Very much worth the price of admission, which is be a decent subscriber. All right, when we come back, Chris Sheehan's going to be with us. Let's talk a little bit more. We'll talk more about the East Coast, too. The NFC East is a pretty fascinating division. Washington Commanders are the Eagles, as good as everybody thinks they're going to be. It's a good roster. But what about Jalen Hurts? The football betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com/slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken beer made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and please drink responsibly. Last 30 minutes of the football betting guide here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Just got done talking to Will Hill. If you missed any part of that, VSIN.com slash podcast, where you want to go. And our next guest, well, if you're listening, you're not going to miss any part of it. Chris Sheehan's with us, uh, host of By the Book over at Monumental Sports Network. Nice enough to give us some time today. And Chris, it's good to talk to you. Thank you very much. And wanted to start in your neck of the woods. We share a connection here, uh, not because we're media members and we're talking about sports betting. I'm a Colts fan. So now I bestow upon to you Carson Wentz, who ruined the Colts season in my 40-1 AFC ticket on the Indianapolis Colts a season ago. Also, might I add, uh, there was a lot in writing in a mini contest in the Super Contest at one point. But that's neither here nor there. How excited is Washington about Carson Wentz at quarterback? Washington, I would say, <laughs> is not as excited as Terry McLaurin, who, believe it or not, actually cited in his decision to sign the extension the arrival of Carson Wentz is a reason why he's excited to play with this commander's team here now. It's a little bit surprising, but... This is a Washington team that, along with Jahan Dotson, drafting him pretty early. Are you going to get Logan Thompson or L Logan Thomas back from the injury early on here? We'll kind of see. But a run game with Antonio Gibson picking up Robinson in the draft here as well, too. Offensively, I don't really know if we're going to see a lot of different things than what we saw last year with Taylor Heineke under center. We met, you know, Wentz struggles here a little bit i'm sure that he's not going to have the job securely washington comes down to how are they going to be able to uh you know pass rush here chase young probably not going to maybe play in those first few games and then how are they going to look in the secondary defensively here as well there were times that they made some plays and then there were times that they would get beat on deep balls so um washington in general i would say and 
Frank Hanrahan, who I know does the DC City Cast for Veasan here, was uh, commenting, and I had to laugh, um, you know, about the crowd size there at <laughs> training camp for Washington. We're talking about, you know, some of these teams, Bengals getting twenty eight thousand at their training camp. You know, be lucky to get. 2,800 there in Ashburn, Virginia, watching this Washington team. And, uh, yeah, just not a lot of excitement in general for this franchise. I'll just say that. So we're talking about a win total for Washington in the, about eight, depending on where you shop, altered odds juice. And uh, most spots, though, we're talking about a pick there. So what do you think this team is this year, other than floating around? There's no more 500, but, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight. Uh, what is this team to you from a win total perspective? Yeah. I look at them kind of like I look at the Miami Dolphins, you know, going to hover around that 500 mark. And I know that I would hear Michael Lombardi talk about this quite a bit last year. Defensively, second worst third down defense last year. I mean, are they really going to have a, you know, a immediate turnaround on that? I mean, to me, third down defense is kind of digging in and it's an attitude and I just don't know that this group necessarily has that with, you know, Ron Rivera, Listen, had his nice moments there in Carolina, and I heard him talking during a, a you know post practice, you know, lambasting the some of the young guys and even the veterans too about their effort. And that's not the first time I've heard Ron Rivera talk about this stuff. Being a Washington here for a couple of years here too, so I just do wonder. I mean, top down organizationally, uh, from Dan Snyder on. Is this an organization that you want to put your hard-earned money on and back financially to go over their win total? Just not me personally. I mean, X's and O's wise and otherwise, um, nah, it's just an organization I typically try to fade. So in this division, uh, it's, I think it's pretty fascinating, right? We always have the Cowboys who are up there. Jerry Jones never stops talking. We have the Philadelphia Eagles who arguably might have the best roster, but everything hinges on the quarterback there. And that's where I wanted to focus next because – a lot of people, including my co-host on the edge, Matt Humans, pretty high on the Eagles' chances to at least, bear, at the very least, win this division. What do you make of Philly? Because I don't think there's really any arguing from a roster standpoint. There's a lot to like, but Jalen Hurts last year as a passer left a lot to be desired. What do you make of now another full year of Jalen Hurts and the steps he could take as a passer? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like them, especially with the acquisition of A.J. Brown there, too, and what they want to do with their run game. I mean, just you know, rotating in running backs, and typically you get good offensive line play from Philadelphia. But this was a team last year, pass rush, only 29 sacks. That was the second least amount in the entire NFL during the regular season here. So my concern with Philadelphia would be, are you – and this is what really stood out to me in the Tampa wildcard game. I'm saying to myself, you are not getting any pressure. And I know they dealt with some injuries down the stretch there, too. And guys like Fletcher Cox getting older. But you are not getting any sort of pressure on the quarterback here. Um, I understand with Darius Slay in the secondary there, too. Um, they're going to be – that's a major strength for this unit here. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, did you see some of the pictures of him in training camp? And I know it's training camp hoopla, but he's looking strong there, too. If Philadelphia decides, hey, we're a running team with our quarterback and we're proud of that, but we do have that option going over the top to some of our receivers here, um, you know, they could be a force to be reckoned with in this division, and I could certainly be high on them, too. But, you know, what do we make of the Giants? That's the X-Factor team that – are they going to be a pushover? They've got a young core of players, right? Just how good can they be, and can Daniel Jones really have the confidence? So, so when I'm analyzing this division as a whole, that's kind of been my question is what to make of the Giants as an opponent for some of these teams because with Brian Dable now as a head coach, we saw the success we have, he, he had with Josh Allen. 
maybe it can translate here with the Giants. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I've got a few win totals. One of them in the NFC East is over on New York. I, I think if we're looking at the Giants and everything they have to offer, you mentioned Dable. I love him as a coach. Big hand in developing Josh Allen. I think they have done very well in terms of what they did in the draft of this past year. Andrew Thomas hit last year all of a sudden. So now when you look at the addition of what's it, Evan Neal uh, in the, along the offensive line, Kayvon Thibodeau as well, you're looking around, you're like, hey, they actually part of pretty solid interior defensive line. That defensive line as a whole could be a strength. I would agree with you that I think the Giants are the most intriguing team here, and I think are a candidate to not only go over their win total, I don't know about winning the division, but like grabbing that seventh seed or at least competing for that seventh seed as a wild card, I think is in the cards if Brian Dable can actually maximize what Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And there's other guys too, like Kadarius Tony. Are we going to see him step up here and be an effective receiver. Kenny Galladay paid a lot of money to him. He's going to need to play a little bit better. I'm glad you brought up, you know, Andrew Thomas because when he got drafted, I mean, you're, he was drafted too high to be playing ineffectively. But sometimes with offensive tackles and cornerbacks in this league, it's interesting to see. What we'll see out of guys like Sauce Gardner this year. The NFL level is different than college, right? You're dealing with a whole new breed of pass rushers and receivers, so sometimes it doesn't translate year one. Now, you know, we're talking about guys like Jamar Chase, too, stepping into the league and dominating immediately. That doesn't always take the cake, but um, sometimes with these rookies, it, it takes them a year or two to get acclimated to the NFL game, and I think the Giants might be there now. I mean, guys like Ojolari stepping up, Leonard Williams veteran, too, so a little bit of a mix of young and veterans there with that Giants group. You know, they, they've been a, a bad team now for a number of years, but maybe, you, you know, maybe this could be the year, bro. Uh, Chris Sheehan with us, and uh, by the way, he's got me Googling pictures of jacked Jalen Hurts. I did not realize this. So, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts got some pipes on him now uh, in uh, <laughs> in camp. All right, let's now – this is the great thing about what we talked about with the NFC East. It's a really interesting division because we haven't spent a second on the Dallas Cowboys yet. I think defensively the Cowboys are in for a really big step back. If you look across the board, their front seven, I think it's pretty weak against the run, and that's pretty poor when you're talking about taking on the Philadelphia Eagles twice a year in this division – what do we make of what do we make of Dallas? Because I think they are a very, very fragile favorite at the top here, and I would tend to look at them under and look to play against them in this division as opposed to play on them. Yeah, I mean it's a tough schedule they're looking at outside yep. of the back end there with teams like the Texans and the Jaguars, but. Jaguars are a team. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I might be liking their over win total. That'll be a conversation for another day. But when we're talking about Dallas, um, you know, I, I remember the days of Tony Romo getting, you know, in that Des Bryant, did he catch it game, the offensive line just being so strong. And are they still there as a unit with guys like Lyle Collins gone? Um, I, I'm just not so sure. You know, I see pictures of Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm like, this guy can't run anymore. I mean, Tony Pollard's more of the effective back here. It's Dak Prescott, 29 years old here, entering into his prime. What does Dallas do? But if I'm an opposing team, I'm doubling up Michael Parsons. I mean, easier said than done. You know, and we saw Diggs give up a lot of big plays last year. He had the interceptions, no doubt. So I would not be going over. And then plus Mike McCarthy's still the head coach here. No thanks as far as any overs are concerned on this Cowboys team. For me personally, I'd be looking under. Chris Sheehan again joining us here on the Football Betting Guy. Chris, we are up against it, but appreciate some time. Awesome stuff. Thank you. Absolutely, JVT. Thank you so much for having me on. Yep, you got it. Man. Yeah, the Mike McCarthy bit is actually very true. As humans and I have discussed many times, I like to say, right, the coach is winning at the margins. Uh, Mike McCarthy is not really a guy who adds wins on the margins, if you will, when it comes to some of his game management decisions. But we'll see. Because remember, 
Jerry Jones has choices, as he will remind you and Mike McCarthy, despite the fact that Mike McCarthy is totally his guy to win a Super Bowl with. Absolutely. All right, we'll take our break. Last couple of minutes here on the show, let's talk about the AFC North. An interesting division because we have the reigning AFC champ, the Baltimore Ravens, and their quarterbacks are looking for a contract and a team that we have no idea what to do with in the Cleveland Browns. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. The College Football Guide out now. Pro Football Guide is coming soon, folks. No better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts, that includes me, Jonathan Von Tobel, provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today and get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with a VSIN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at vcin.com slash subscribe. All right, we got news, 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 and more news when it comes to the National Football League. First off, uh, it is a new era in the NFL, and I so I like these kind of conversations. And actually, Femi Bebefe is going to join uh, Vison a little bit. I say join Vison. He's hosting the Run Line coming up next, so it's baseball. So you can't really talk about fun stuff like this. We like baseball, but come on. Um, but like, it's a whole conversation we had when it comes to this era of football and wide receivers getting paid and the teams that are making the decisions, whether to acquire the guys and pay them or move off of them and go down the route of we'll develop guys, we'll sign guys because we think we can replicate that production. So we get news today, right? Debo Samuel, he in the 49ers have been, as they said, there was a report like yesterday that they were grinding out contract talks. Well, the grind is over. Three-year extension for Debo Samuel, worth up to $73.5 million potentially, including $58.1 million in guaranteed money. So Debo Samuel gets his deal, but this is kind of the shift here, and that, that's why I like these. These sorts of conversations are really fun to see which of these teams, we're talking about Miami decided to shell out the money for Tyreek Hill, Philadelphia decided to shell out the money for A.J. Brown, San Francisco 49ers decided to shell out the money for Debo Samuel, what those teams compared to the others, like Kansas City, who decided not to pay Tyreek Hill, and on and on, how that works as you kind of move forward here, contributing such a solid gap of your money to a wide receiver. Wide receivers are becoming more and more impactful, but the fascinating part about the conversation is wide receivers, in terms of just as a whole, are getting better. 
Guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, they are hitting the ground running. Every single kid, if you read stuff about like these camps, these football camps and recruiting, it goes down very far, right? But everybody wants to be a wide receiver, so the talent pool is so immense. Every single year we talk about it in the NFL draft, right? All the way through the second round that there are high-end, talented guys at wide receiver. And so now we see this dynamic shift of, okay, some of these guys are getting paid. Is it really going to be worth it for some of these teams? <clears throat> so we'll see if that's going to be the case. But we do get the news. Oh, DK Metcalf, obviously, the other one, too that we're talking about that most, most recently got his money. So 49ers and Debo Samuel, again, they get it done. Three-year extension, $73.5 million max, $71.5 million, uh, 71.55, we'll call it. Total guarantee 58.1, as Ian Rappaport points out, uh, 29 years old when that um, statement is up. Now, we also get the other pit of news, uh, and this is coming out of the NFL Players Association. So it does look like, and this is according to a couple of reports now, uh, that the NFL Players Association will not appeal when it comes to Deshaun Watson and uh, his potential impending suspension. We just got a statement from the NFLPA. Quote, in advance of Judge Robinson's decision, we wanted to reiterate the facts of this proceeding first. We have fully cooperated with every NFL inquiry and provided the NFL with the most comprehensive set of information for any personal conduct policy investigation. Former federal judge, appointed jointly by the NFLPA and NFL, held a full and fair hearing, has read thousands of pages of investigative documents, and reviewed arguments from both sides impartially. Every player, owner, business partner, and stakeholder deserves to know that our process is legitimate and will not be tarnished based on the whims of the league office. This is why, regardless of her decision, Deshaun and the NFLPA will stand by her ruling and we call on the NFL to do the same. So this is going to potentially go down tomorrow. That's what all the reports have said. So this might, uh, we'll see what's going to happen after tomorrow, but it does seem like we are coming to a point where we're going to get some more information on what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So lots of news. And it dovetails nicely with what we're going to talk about here, which is the AFC North, a division that is actually pretty fascinating because I think I could make a compelling case that the team with the best roster is the Cleveland Browns. I think when you look at what they have defensively at multiple levels, the skill and position talent that they have on offense as well, specifically running back, offensive line, like you can make a really good case that this is actually the best roster in the division. Problem is we have no idea what's going on with their quarterback. And thus, Jacoby Brissett for eight games, whatever it is, as a former Colts guy, Jacoby's awesome. Uh, but not for the entirety of a season, not for more than half. So it leaves you in this weird like floating void with the AFC North and you see a lot of interesting things here when it comes to the AFC North as well. For example, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Look at this via DraftKings. Win total of 10, but the second choice to win the division at plus 190. Ravens at 9.5. Division odds of plus 160. And really with those two, because we'll talk about the Steelers momentarily, uh, it does seem that their, their offensive coordinator the other day had some odd comments the way that he phrased the quarterback battle in training camp and talked about Mason Rudolph maybe having a shot at winning this, even though they went and got to Mitchell Trubisky. Regardless, for my money at this point right now, if we're kind of, for lack of a better term, taking Cleveland off the board because we don't know what's happening at quarterback, if you're looking between Baltimore and Cincinnati, I do have a hard time looking past Cincinnati and saying they are the second best team in this division. Now, I get it. Matt Eumanns has pointed this out many times. A lot of people really buy into, and there is a large sample size of data to show that the Super Bowl hangover is real. Teams that make it to the Super Bowl and lose – tend to fall back to the pack the next year. You can take a look at Cincinnati and realize that defensively at times last year, maybe they were getting a little bit away with murder. But regardless, for me, when it comes to the Ravens and their status as the best team in this division, it all boils down to one guy, as we know, and that is Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar Jackson, and it's really hard to be better than what he was in that MVP year. He's incredible. But statistically and from some other outlets like a PFF standpoint grading-wise, 
he has gotten worse each year following the MVP year. Last year, his worst year as a passer since his rookie season, and you know it was really rough around the edges of rookie year when he didn't start all the games, but we know what happened that year. But you do wonder what this looks like for Jackson as we move forward into this next season. Because, in all fairness, his offensive line was really beat up last year, didn't do him any favors, and we had some really high highs. Hell, I'm a Colts fan. I will remember the Monday night football game for a while now because, of course, and their secondary fell apart a little bit with injury in that game. I think they lost two defensive backs. But Lamar Jackson leading them back as a passer in that game. So in no world should I think we sell on Lamar Jackson. But at the same time, I don't think you can ignore the fact that the numbers have gotten a little bit worse for him as a passer in the last few seasons. And on top of that, turnover really plays were a small issue for him last year. It was a really big deal. Part of it was pressure and overreacting to the pressure. And the other part is, outside of Mark Andrews, I think when you look at this wide receiver core, you do have some questions about how strong it's going to be as a whole and how that affects him as a passer. And so when I look at the AFC North, to me, I just keep coming back to two things. One, do think Cleveland is the best overall team, and maybe as the year progresses, because this does look like a division that's got a lot of parity in it, and that we're talking 10-7 and seven wins the thing for them, whatever the winning team is, that a team like Cleveland, depending on what we're going to find out at the quarterback position, when we get to week 7, 8, if we're in that range of Watson coming back and they're only about two games out, that would be a time to look at Cleveland to potentially win this thing, just given the fact that I think there is going to be parity and these teams are going to beat up on each other as they often do in the AFC North. But I am just somewhat surprised about this weird variance we see with this. The fact that the Bengals in most spots do have the higher win total than Baltimore, and yet in other spots are the second option to win the division behind the Ravens. You know, something there just doesn't really add up. <clears throat> and now look, <clears throat> excuse me, we do know that uh, Joe Burrow is just like me and you, had to get his appendix removed. He is human. And I think we know that he's going to be fine, at least all reports indicate, by the time we get to the season, that it's going to be there. And maybe that takes the market off of him a little bit here. The AFC North is a pretty fascinating bunch because there are a lot of teams, similar to a lot of these squads, where you're looking at it and going, yeah, like, these are a lot of teams that are kind of on the same level with one another. And that includes Pittsburgh to a certain extent. Although I think when you look at them, you're talking more about them defensively and not so much like, I think it's just more kind of up front, especially along the edges. Corner is a real question for the Steelers. I think if you look at their cornerback room, they got a whole bunch of what you would call second team guys at a lot of the other squads, but no real first team corner that's going to help them out. And you wonder what the drop off like that's going to be. And I would also say, given the level of quarterback play they got last year, I don't think there's going to be a stark drop off from them offensively because Ben Roethlisberger, a lot of the times, just wasn't very good for them. Uh, but the fact that you're hearing rumblings out of their camp that, oh, well, Mason Rudolph could win this thing. Yeah, not so much. And can I make one last point on the Pittsburgh Steelers? The offensive rookie of the year market has Kenny Pickett as the favorite to win the award. And I think we talked about this in this show either last week or the week before. Uh, you can find columns and reports out there that the quarterback competition is two guys, and one of them is not Kenny Pickett, and that he is clearly the third guy and that they're going to take it slow with him. There is, I think, a very good shot that Kenny Pickett does not see the field in 2022, not even less be the favor to win the award. I get it. He's the first-round quarterback and all that stuff, but it does seem that Pickett, who I think was, was the other day through an interception at the end of camp, um, I don't think he's going to sniff the Offensive Rookie of the Year award and thus a fraudulent favorite, which means <clears throat> that throughout the board, there's plenty of opportunities to be had in terms of some of those options. Well, with that, it looks like my voice is giving out, so this is the perfect time to get out of here, right? No. All right. Well, if you missed out on any part of the show, vcin.com slash podcast is where you want to go. And make sure, I cannot emphasize enough, 
the College Football Betting Guide. It is out. It is totally worth it. Every single one of these teams being previewed gives a win total recommendation, either over or under, for every single one of these squads, plus futures best bets from all of the analysts there. And do not forget that the NFL betting guide will be out mid-August. So that's going to be absolutely fantastic for all of those out there who are getting ready for the football season, which is right around the quarter. Hall of Fame games on Thursday. Can you believe it? NFL's here, preseason's here, and football is back, folks. vcin.com. Coming up next, it is the run line on vcin, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 